0: Well, good evening. Thank you for joining us for our pastor's class tonight. Tonight, we're gonna continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Kyler led us through a discussion in chapter six about what we value, what we prioritize. And tonight, we're gonna continue that uh, basic thought. As we finish out chapter six, Jesus is gonna talk to us about worry. You know, worry seems to be a universal problem. You might hear someone say, I'm just such a worrier. Uh, you might even hear somebody say, well, you know, things are going great, knock on wood. It's almost like we we find a way to worry about a future worry that hasn't even happened yet. You know, kids provide endless reasons to worry. We have a one-year-old son at our house and it seems like just about every day we're saving his life. He's crazy. Maybe kids aren't your worry, maybe your worry is aging parents, I know that's a, a big concern. but. The problem is, no matter how universal uh, worry is, the Bible calls worry a sin. The Bible calls worry a failure to trust God. That's why one commentator would even say worry is practical atheism. Uh, In his great book, Respectable Sins, which I would commend to you, Jerry Bridges, he does a study where he goes through the New Testament and he finds every time that a Christian character trait is mentioned And he just wants to figure out, well, well, how often are these characteristics mentioned? And he finds that love is mentioned more than anything else. And then closely to that is humility. But then right underneath that, third, in the whole New Testament, is the Christian character trait of trusting in God. If you're looking, what does it mean to be a Christian? That's a great list. Love, humility, trust in God. And so to guide our study tonight in Matthew chapter 6, I'd like to use this theme. You can trust your Father. You can trust your Father. And I hope that it's helpful to you. Let's read Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, Father, may you guide us now as we look at your word. May you cause us to see, may you cause us to hear, and may you cause us to trust in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first thing I want us to see here in Matthew chapter 6 is that you can trust your Father's power. I get that right from verse 25. Look at it with me once again. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So what's, what's he saying here? Well, first, you see the command. It's very straightforward, very clear. Do not be anxious. You might have noticed it's repeated two more times in the passage. As we read our Bibles, it's always important to pay attention to, to what is repeated. What's he saying here? Do not be anxious. This really has the idea of do not be full of care. Do not be so consumed with worry that it just drains the joy out of everything else in your life. This is the same word that Jesus used when he was talking to Martha. You might remember she was running around serving, and Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, Martha, you are are troubled and anxious about many things. This is the same word that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 4, where he gives the, the command, the same command that Jesus says here, where he says, do not be anxious about anything. But what Jesus is saying here, he's telling us we can trust his father's pow- our Father's power because he says, you know, you're worried about uh, what you're going to eat. Is not life, the very fact that you have life of greater value than, than the food that you get to sustain it? Hey, God is the one who created everything. He's the one who created the universe with a word. He spoke life into existence. He created you. He gave you your life. Do you not think the one who gave you your life can give you food to sustain that life? Do you not think that the God who who fashioned your body cannot provide you with clothing to cover that body? And, you know, we have to remember at this time, as Jesus is talking here in the first century, Scarcity of food was a much bigger problem than it is for any of us today living in the West. Yet, you know, as we read in the Bible about famines, and you'll notice that they come up a lot, we usually just jump over that. It doesn't really mean much to us. We hear about a famine and it doesn't affect us, but that wasn't true of these people here. And yet, Jesus could still look at those people and say, Hey, you can trust your Father's power, you can trust your Creator God to provide for you but that's not all he says you can not only you can trust your father's power but you can trust your father's providence I get that uh, from the next few verses verse 26 look at what he says look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they So, Jesus provides several arguments here, uh, and the first one we're going to look at is in verse 26, this argument from, from nature. But let's first talk about providence. Providence is a word that we use a lot around here. Hopefully, you're beginning to understand it. Hopefully, you're beginning to love this truth and the comfort that it brings to Christians. But just very simply, providence is this idea that God is working all things, every event, Every circumstance in all places throughout all times for His glory and for the good of His people. Providence. But look at what Jesus says. He says, look at the birds. You can almost imagine Jesus as He's out there on the mountain. Maybe there are birds flying overhead. He says, hey, look Look at these birds. But He's not call, calling us just to, to look at the birds. He's calling us to think about the birds, to examine the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have a way of storing up food, and yet God feeds them. Look at what he says. He says, and yet your heavenly father, he said, not their heavenly father, your heavenly father feeds them. God is not just great and powerful, he's also good. He cares for his people. That's why the Apostle Peter could say, 1 Peter 5 7, that we can cast all our anxieties on him because he cares. For us. Worry is this thought that God cannot or will not meet our needs. But he gives another argument from nature in verse 28. He says, Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I mean, consider the lilies. Look at what he says here, you're anxious about clothing, but, but these lilies, they don't work, they don't toil. It's not that, that they're lazy. Jesus is saying here, they are clothed by someone other than themselves. They have no control over the fact that they're beautiful, but they're beautiful because God made them to be that way, and God wants them to be that way. He compares them to Solomon. He says, Solomon, in all of his glory and all of his magnificence, the richest king that ever lived, Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like a single one of these. He's not even looking at a whole field of wildflowers. He's saying a single wildflower, more beautiful, more glorious, more majestic than even Solomon. He says in verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith?" What's he saying here? Their beauty is fleeting. They are beautiful, yes, but their beauty is so temporary. You think about a Palestinian oven. It's a clay box set on top of bricks, on top of the fire, and then when you wanted to raise the temperature of the fire quickly, You could easily just grab a handful of dried wildflowers, of dried grasses, throw them on the fire. It would raise the temperature. Temporal. Very temporary. And yet, God gives them such beauty. How much more can we rejoice that our Father will care for us? See God's providence here. When God is talking to Job. And we get through the whole book of Job and finally God speaks. He tells Job, hey, you know, gird yourself, get ready. And one of the things he tells Job is in Job 38, verse 26. He says, I bring rain on a land where no man is, and on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass. Look at the providence of God bringing rain on a land not even to sustain human life there, but no one's there, but God brings rain because he is in control. Notice God's providence and rejoice in God's providence. So we see Jesus' argument from nature, but then he he gets pretty practical. Look at verse 27. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Jesus says here, hey, worry is pointless. It doesn't do any good. Most of the time, when we worry about the future, the future is never really as bad as our worries would indicate. But honestly, whether it's better or worse than we expected, when we worry about the future, we are worrying about something that's out of our control. So we can't add a single hour to our lives. It's pointless. This is especially relevant, I think, in our world today. We're consumed with youth. We are desperate to avoid acknowledging our own mortality. But Jesus is saying there's not enough broccoli in the world that you can eat that's going to give you one more hour of life. Worry is pointless. And then the last argument Jesus gives here is a the theological argument. Look at verse 30. At the end of verse 30, he says, "O you of little faith." Worry is not just pointless. Worry is faithless this phrase "O you of little faith we see Jesus say it a few times and it's always directed to his disciples just a couple chapters later you might remember Jesus and his disciples in the boat and Jesus is asleep and this great storm rises up and the disciples are freaking out and they go to Jesus and they say you know don't you care save us And before he does anything about the storm, he looks at his disciples and says, Why are you so worried, O you of little faith? And then, of course, he gets up and rebukes the wind and the waves. And the disciples marvel. Man, what kind of man is this? Then a little later, you see, remember, Peter walking on the water. And it's this great moment where he's walking on the water, but then he starts to look around him. He sees... The giant waves and he feels the wind and he starts to sink and he cries out, Jesus, save me. And Jesus reaches down, saved him and says, why did you doubt? O oh, you of little faith. Worry is faithless. We can trust our father's power. We can trust our father's providence. But lastly, I want you to see that you can trust your father's promises. Let's see the promise here. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. Here's this command repeated again, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See the promise here. First, we see the command, do not be anxious, repeated. Verse 32, he reminds them who he's talking about, your heavenly Father. Worry dishonors God. He, he says the Gentiles seek after all these things and he's comparing them, saying, the Gentiles don't know God as Father, but you all should know better. There's a, there's a difference there. Notice the distinction. God is, is our Father. He not only knows what we need, He cares that we need it and He can provide for us. What a comfort that is. And then look at verse 33, but, so you should not worry, what should you do? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, all these basic necessities of life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear will be added to you. This is from avoidance to action. They're not supposed to worry. What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to seek first the kingdom. To seek it not first as in, well, I do this first, and then I do this second, and this third. No, but to seek it as of first importance. And to keep seeking it, to set their hearts on the kingdom of God. What does this mean, to seek the kingdom of God? I think you can just look back at verse 10, when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To seek the kingdom of God is to do the will of God. And the will of God is to see the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ spread throughout our communities and throughout our world through the words that we speak and the way that we live. The Gentiles don't live like this because they don't know God as their Father, but disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, knowing that God is their Heavenly Father should live differently and you see the promise on the back side of it. And as you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. And then I love the last verse. It's almost funny in its practicality. We see the command repeated a third time. Therefore, because of all that I've said, Jesus says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's given all of these really important reasons why we should not worry, but then he just gets really practical and says, you know what, that thing that you're worried about, that thing tomorrow, next week, next month, that actually may never come. The writer of Proverbs says that, Proverbs chapter 27 verse one, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You know, if 2020 taught us anything, it taught us this truth, that we don't know what tomorrow, will bring. So we shouldn't boast about it, we shouldn't worry about it, it may never come. It's this idea of asking God to give us our daily bread, what we need right here. It's the idea of God's Word being a lamp to our feet, illuminating every step as we trust Him and as we follow Him. Tomorrow there will be new troubles but we don't need to worry about those now because tomorrow when there's new troubles, there will be new mercies there as well. That's what Jeremiah said in Lamentations, his great verse, Lamentations chapter three, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, we're never promised an easy life. Christians. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. The Christian life is described as a race. It's described as a fight. Paul even talks about it being like a boxing match. But we are promised that in the middle of all of that, God will never leave us or forsake us. And so maybe tonight you're like, you know, this is true, I recognize it, but But there's still this this one situation, there's still this one concern that's just weighing heavily on me. And maybe you can identify with the words of the man who looked at Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so I pray that that would be your prayer tonight. One of the first verses we read, other than our text tonight, was from Philippians chapter 4. I'd like to go back there and read the whole passage. So you can see not just the command, but the promise on the back side of this. Philippians chapter 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are commanded not to worry. We're commanded not to be Anxious about anything. And in the middle of that command, we're also told that as we bring our concerns to the Lord, as we lay them at His feet, as we trust His power, as we trust His providence, we're given this great promise that the peace of God, which doesn't even make sense, it surpasses all understanding, will guard and protect our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's the idea of the hymn writer. In the great hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, where he says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I pray that you and I would live lives free of worry, trusting our Father, to provide. Let's pray. Father, we take great comfort in your word. We take great comfort in your promises. Thank you that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that you have promised to provide for us. Thank you that you are in control of all things. God, give us faith to trust you. And let us live confident and hopeful lives in this world. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.